You're listening to Therapy for Your Money, a podcast about all things money and finance for therapy practice owners. If you want to feel confident and in control of your financial life, then you've come to the right spot. I'm your host, Julie Harris. I'm an accountant and the owner of Green Oak Accounting. My firm specializes in working with private practices across the U.S., and my team and I have worked with hundreds of private practice owners. I'm on a mission to share all the best practices I've learned along the way because I want you to have a profitable private practice. My new book, Profit First for Therapists, is available at most online retailers. You can get it in paperback, audiobook, or ebook as well. Go check it out. Hey everyone, welcome to Therapy for Your Money. Today we are talking about exiting your private practice with Gabrielle Giuliano Villani. Gabrielle, hey, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well, Julie. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Why don't you start by telling our listeners a little bit about, about you and what you do? Sure. So uh, I'm an LCSW. I live in Sarasota, Florida. I moved down here in 2020, just like everybody else did during the (laughs) pandemic. Um, I moved here from Denver and I had a group practice that I owned in Denver. At our biggest, we were 15. Um, And we had a really strong focus on the Medicare and Medicaid population. So that was kind of our thing. Um, And then in 2021, I sold my group practice and now I do consulting and training on Medicare, how to scale your practice, uh, burnout prevention and management. And I'm also a sound healer. So many, so many things. So many things. <laughs> so many things. It's the ADHD, but you know, it works for me. So, <laughs> yeah. well, so I know um, I was telling you before we started recording um, how to exit your practice is kind of one of our most requested topics, right? Especially I think in times of feeling a little bit overwhelmed, it's not uncommon for a practice owner to go to like, okay, maybe I do want to just throw this whole thing to someone else and, and exit. Um, so I want to start with like, you said you were 15 people at the big, at the largest for your practice. So like kind of how many clinicians, admin team members, is that all clinicians? Like tell us a little bit about kind of what, what you had in place at that point. Yep. So it was all clinicians and me. Um, And then I did have a I mean, I had other people helping, but they were all contract. So as far as employees, it was just therapists and me. And I was still doing more than I should have been doing. (laughs) I did um, all of the billing because I actually liked doing the billing and um, a lot of still kind of like the practice management and the admin stuff. But I did have an assistant clinical director helping me out. And then um, my virtual assistant, who was kind of like my admin, who did all of our phone calls and a lot of data entry and following up on things with clients. Okay. And, and did you have anyone kind of doing any marketing or were like, were clients just coming to you from word of mouth or referral from Medicare? So I did some marketing, but I had done a lot of marketing in the beginning when I first started that I really had good connections with our referral sources already. And so that's where a lot of our referrals came from was from those referral sources. And because we were a Medicare provider and there's not a lot of those, word of mouth and our website is where everybody else usually came from. Okay, got it. And so... How then, how did you know it was time to sell? 
Well, I don't know if there's ever a good time. Maybe there is for me. Uh, it's the conversation started because I was burnt out and mm. I had just come to a point where I was like, this isn't really what I want to do anymore. I don't really enjoy managing people. I was feeling pulled in too many different directions. And I had just come to know that like when I wake up in the morning and I spend my day working, this isn't really what I want to be doing. So that was where it started. And I have a friend who's um, also a mentor in a different industry. And she suggested that I sell and we ran some numbers and I was like, well, that's not enough money because it's never enough money. (laughs) So if you are thinking of selling, that's one thing I will tell you is it's never going to be enough. Um, So I just kind of put it on the back burner and I was like, let me think about this more. Let me think about my options. Um, But there were just so many things that were changing that I knew that it was time for me to just move on. And I actually had a buyer a couple months later reach out to me and that's how it ended up happening. Okay. So a buyer approached you kind of out of the blue, just at the right time when you were feeling ready. (laughs) Yes. I asked and the universe delivered. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, just for people listening, that is happening more and more in Mm -hmm. our space now, but usually what happens is it's like buying and selling a house. So you would actually list your practice for sale on the marketplace with a broker and they would find a buyer for you. Yeah. And typically there's going to be a fee associated with that. Yes, also. there is. Yeah, <laughs> a, a broker. So you might get, in some cases, you might get a little more money, but there's the, the, the fee to contend with as well. So did you entertain any other offers at that point or did you just move forward with the, the, company that or person that approached you? Um, I moved forward with that sale because there was also a lot of turnover happening um, because this was at, this was like in the middle to end of 2021. So this was kind of at a point where a lot of group practices were seeing the same thing, where a lot of their therapists were leaving to start their own practices, Mm -hmm. going to work for Headway or Sondermind. And so at that point, it was either sell it for the offer that I had or keep it for another five years to make up for that attrition and turnover that we had. So yeah, I just moved forward with that sale. Okay. And so what was that process like for you? So (laughs) it was a big learning experience, especially for me at that point, I didn't really have a lot of, um, how do I explain it? Like a lot of more experience with the business side of things. I do now going through that and doing, I also do coaching for the small business administration. So those two things have helped me now, but I didn't have that then. So I felt pretty isolated and alone, to be honest, because it's not something that you can talk about. You know, you can't go in your Facebook groups and start posting about you selling your practice. Um, It's all very quiet. So you assign um, an NDA and there's a lot of things that you can't talk about. So it's very isolating. And so it was really important for me to have people that I could speak to, like my broker. I did actually end up um, using a broker as a support. And that was really important for me to have somebody that I could lean on and who, who 
understood the process and could let me know, yes, this is normal. Yes, this is how things go. Um, it happened pretty quickly. It took about like less than, well, when we started talking, it was like six months, but after we had signed um, a letter of intent, it was, I think, just over 90 days. So it happened pretty quickly. Yeah. And um, I, like I said, I learned a lot. It was a lot of roller coaster of emotions. Every day I would wake up and I was like, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? Should I do this? Should I not do this? What is my life going to be like if <laughs> I'm what am a I gonna practice do? owner? <laughs> yes, like I'm not doing any billing for 15 people anymore. Like what am I going to do with my time? Um, so yeah, having a supports and just you have to be okay with the unknown, which is really difficult because it's just a roller coaster. It's the same way as like selling a house. I mean, things can fall through the cracks and the deal can be done at the very last minute or not. So you just kind of don't know what to expect. Yeah, it, it really is true. In my experience too, we, we're, we've seen a lot of sales um, just in my accounting firm come through. Like it's not over until it's over. Until there's mm -hmm. money in the bank, it is not, it is not done yet. Um, and so I want to, I want to peel back the curtain a little bit um, for, for, for someone who's wondering, like when you are starting to talk to a company, typically you're going to sign an NDA and that means you can't shop around. You can't tell anyone about the terms. There's very few people who can know about what's going on. And usually that is like your accountant, your attorney, and your broker. And mm -hmm. that's kind of it, right? Is that, <laughs> yes. is, was that your experience as well? Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. So like you, uh, you definitely can lean on those people. I've, I've once in my whole career have had someone sell their company and not tell us they're like, well, I signed an NDA. I thought I couldn't tell you. Yes, you absolutely can. Uh, but generally like, those are kind of the people in your court, like looking out for you, but there's not, there's not a whole lot more. Yeah. There's not. And I will also say that, um, my accountant was also one of the key people like she just was very um, skilled in mergers and acquisitions also which is why I was using her and even more so than my broker probably like she had talked me off quite a few ledges <laughs> so <laughs> definitely tell your accountant and if you are working with Green Oak or with Julie I'm sure that she would love to support you through yes. your sale. Yes. <laughs> your cousin wants to know when something this big, this yes. big is going on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, so after, let's talk about the process then after the sale, because it's not usually over, like just because you've signed the paperwork, it's not really over yet. So tell me what that was like for you. Yeah, that's another important thing for people to know too. Um, when people ask me about selling, oftentimes they might have been in a similar situation where I was, where they're really burnt out. And so you think that, you know, you can just sell the business and like wipe your hands clean and you're done. And that's not really how it works. Um, so there is always going to be a transition. Usually a year, I have seen um, three to five years, but I don't that's not too common um i yeah. think usually within a year you're kind of done and ready and i did hear from somebody else recently that um they 
had gotten a few offers where they were saying that they didn't even need to stay on. So I think, I don't know if that's a trend that's coming just in mental health, but I feel like that's pretty unusual because if you think about it, if you're selling your practice, I mean, you want to be there for the transition. Your team is going to need you. The buyer is going to need you. I mean, you can't just drop your business in somebody's lap and be like, hey, figure it out. That's not not good for the clients either. So You should expect to stay on. And I did stay on as well um, for a year to help with all of those things, because again, with my team and for our clients, and then there's just a lot of transitions that are happening internally with different systems and organizations and, you know, like taking over the billing, for example, or if you're going to need to switch or transition to a different EHR, that's going to take time and training also. Yeah. And so how did your role change during that year? Uh, Were you still seeing clients? Like, were you still doing the billing for a while? What did that look like? So I um, was able to basically keep my same role, but I got to delegate some of the admin things. So um, things like billing and you know, I wasn't doing the, like anything with new clients, like our admin had done that, but all of that stuff had been taken over. So basically what I was just doing was still managing our team. And um, I was seeing very few clients and I kept seeing those clients as well. Okay. And at this point now, the year is over, right? You are completely out of your practice. I am completely out. Yep. That's it. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, so what does your lo- life look like today? What are you up to? So now I am doing consulting and training on a lot of different things, one of them being on selling your practice, but why it's important to, if you are a group practice owner, to think about, you know, selling your practice from the very beginning. You really want to think about that, even if you think you'll never sell, because it will make you the most profitable and the most efficient. So I help with that. Um, I also do training um, on burnout prevention and management, and I also do consulting on Medicare. Okay. And so I'll bet that keeps you pretty busy. It does. I have my hands in a lot of different things, but that's that works for me. Is there another private practice in your future, you think? No. <laughs> that was a, a very definite no. It was like a maybe. Was, no, absolutely. I not. think right now, I don't know. I guess things could always change, but I think that for me, I've kind of closed the door on that and I've made peace with that and I, I'm good with it. Like it's just you're in a different phase in your life now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, all right. I want to go back one step. Uh, when, as you were kind of getting ready to sell your LOI or letter of intent is signed, like what kind of information was the buyer looking for at that point? So that is uh, when the fun begins and when you get to enter (laughs) due diligence. (laughs) And so this is why um, planning is really important ahead of time. Again, even if you never want to do this, it'll just make you more organized and more efficient. But they want to know everything. So when you sell, and this goes for any industry also, like they want to see your taxes, um, your articles of incorporation, 
any kind of, if you have employees or 1099s, they want to see all of those contracts, any personnel files, um, so make sure you're documenting things, all of your billing. Um, they might do an audit of like your EHR to see um, what you're billing, how often you're billing. They might be looking at the notes in there, making, the, making sure the documentation is okay. Um, basically everything and anything related to running your practice. So you want to have all of that organized and ready to go. If you take insurance, they'll probably want to see the insurance contracts, things like that. Mm -hmm. Your financials, definitely they want to see also. Um, did they ask you for um, like an employee list, how many clients they see, that kind of information as well? Yes, they asked for all of that. Um, and so that is another thing to think about too, is that we used in the past, we used simple practice and there were a lot of reports that we needed that simple practice wasn't able to give us. Um, and those were things like, how much did we bill 90837 and uh, like how many encounters were there and things like that. So there was like a lot of things that we, I had to go in and do manually, but yes, mm -hmm. they'll, they'll ask for an employee list. They'll want to know um, the encounters that each employee has, if they are full-time, if they're part-time, um, their contracts, how much you're paying them. If you are offering benefits, you'll need to give them all of those contracts also. So a whole lot of information. Um, were you were you ready at that point, or did you feel like you had to scramble for some of it? Uh, I was pretty good at keeping all those things organized, thank God. So <laughs> there wasn't too much scrambling. There just were like a couple of little things that, again, like simple practice just didn't have the capability. So it was just a little bit more work on my end. But um, all of our contracts and any kind of personnel stuff, the insurance contracts, all of that I had pretty much ready to go. All of our taxes, all of our financials, they'll want to look at your financial statements or your profit and loss, usually for the past couple of years, your bank statements. So yeah, it's a whole everything. lot. Good, good on you for having everything <laughs> right. But that's not always the case, right? Like if you're usually, if you're working with an accountant, like that's the easy part, getting the financial yes. returns. Like, what about all the other things? Like where is all of that? And that, yeah. that can be a little bit hard. It's a lot and it feels very, or it can feel very uh, invasive, but you know, like they might ask you, why do you do this this way? Right. And you're like, of, of course I do it that way because that's what makes sense mm -hmm. to me. But you might have to explain some of your policies and procedures and why you do things the way that you do. Because again, like I just would always think of it like, well, if I was buying a business, I would want to know all of those things very intimately also. Yeah, that's super fair. That it must be hard sometimes not to get defensive though, right? Of like something that you built. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like just because I said so. <laughs> exactly, because this is how it works for me. Why are you asking about that? <laughs> yeah. no, I, I totally get it. Um, all right. The last question I ask most of my podcast guests when I remember is uh, what is your favorite business book and why? So I'm putting you on the spot here. Oh, um, <laughs> Honestly, it's not really very businessy, but it helped me a lot. And that is money in the law of attraction. And so I know that's uh, not for everybody. And there are some parts of it that I'm like, you know, kind of take it or leave it, but it did help me with my mindset, not just with money, but in 
life and business in general. And it helped me look at things from a different perspective, especially when I was going through the sale because I was so stressed out. Um, and it helped me allow just more for, you know, for our therapists out there for our radical acceptance <laughs> and just knowing mm -hmm. that things, they just are the way that they are. And that really helped manage the stress. Okay. Money in the law of attraction. That's going yeah. on our, going on our list. <laughs> um, Gabrielle, Gabrielle, thank you for your time. Um, this was such a great conversation. If anyone is kind of thinking of selling and would like to do some consulting with you, or maybe talk to you about Medicare, where can they find you? Very easy. My website is just my name. It's GabrielleGiulianoVellani.com. Um, you can find me on Facebook and LinkedIn under the same and TikTok. And then Instagram is at GJV Consulting. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Julie. If you're looking for accounting help, head over to therapyforyourmoney.com slash accounting to find information about my accounting firm and all of our specialized services just for private practice owners. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Just head over to iTunes, click on ratings and reviews, and give us a quick shout out. We really appreciate it. The information contained in this podcast represents the host and guest general opinions and should not be construed as personalized accounting and tax advice. Listeners should consider all facts and circumstances before applying this information and seek appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. Any info provided does not constitute accounting, tax, or legal advice.